With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Darwin. The nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today I'm wearing a wig as a punishment for predicting that the Pittsburgh Steelers would not make the playoffs. I thought that Logan would perhaps go with something a bit more subtle, a bit more understated. Maybe give me like an old man wig or something. Maybe even give me a bald cap so I could get a sense of what it's been like to live some days in his shoes. But he went with the rainbow unicorn look. So if you're just listening on audio, I would not recommend checking out the video. And if you're watching on video, I apologize. But uh, these are the consequences for betting against Mike Tomlin and his ability to lift the Pittsburgh Steelers to at least have a winning record. Today, we are going to be previewing the divisional round games, and we'll start with, in my opinion, the biggest and most interesting one on the slate, and I will actually be there. That is Bill's Chiefs. Logan, what are some of the keys to this game in your perspective? Uh, One of the biggest keys is... Josh Allen playing perfect football, right? Uh, We are getting a battle of the Titans uh, once more here between Mahomes and Allen. I think they're the two best quarterbacks in football, and I think, Carson, uh, I'm so happy for you that you get to go watch this game. I mean, this is... Thanks, man. One of the best quarterbacks... makes up for this. Or are you thinking about wearing that to the game? I think that'd be a really good look. No. I actually, though, had to buy, like, a whole new set of snow things. A new jacket, some new gloves, a hat. Because I'm not prepared like that for the sort of Buffalo winter weather that I'm going to be dealing with. You are prepared to start in a live-action shoot of uh, My Little Pony, though, which I, I think am. you're just perfect for. Um, I am. I, this is going to be a battle of two, uh, the two best quarterbacks in football. And it's going to—I think we're in for an instant classic. Some of the additional keys is the other Bills players pulling their weight, right? They suffered a ton of injuries at the start of the season, losing Matt Milano, losing Trey White, losing Daquan Jones. And against the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
Uh, Terrell Bernard goes down. Christian Benford goes down. Those guys are still uh, uncertain whether they'll play. They are out of practice as of right now. Uh, Benford. Benford is out now, and Taylor Rapp is out now officially. Okay, and then Balen Spector went down in that game too. Taron Johnson has been dealing with injuries, so the Bills' defense is really just going to have to step up. You know, it's next man up mentality. It's next dog up. You got to fill in, and you got to you got to fill in the shoes. And there's some teams that have been able to withstand injuries. There's some teams that haven't. The Pittsburgh Steelers all season long. The Cleveland Browns for the most part all season long. But you see it. It bites Cleveland. Uh, one player really can be the difference between these games, uh, and we'll see if that comes back. It's going to take a lot uh, of the Bills guys, uh, the second and third guys, stepping up and playing above their means for the Bills to get this done, in my opinion. We do have an interesting dynamic, though, Carson. This is going to be Patrick Mahomes' first game ever on the road in the playoffs. I believe this is Mahomes' only second game, correct me if I'm wrong, Carson, actually playing. Uh, are you guys still Ralph Wilson Stadium playing in Buffalo? No, it is now uh, Highmark. Playing at Highmark, I believe this is his second time only ever traveling to Highmark, and it's his first road playoff game ever. That's an interesting dynamic to keep up at, but uh, that's really where it comes down to me. The Bills players pulling their weight and Josh Allen playing a master class. I expect the surrounding offensive pieces to pull their weight. I expect this offensive line to play well enough. I think we're in for a classic NFL playoff game, Carson, an absolute yeah. classic between, between two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I agree. I think that this is a real toss-up. And ultimately, the decider could be which quarterback plays better in a vacuum. But I have a lot of faith in both these guys to play at a really high level, honestly. And I think that we have just seen that the Bills have more proven routes to really high-end dynamic offense. They've had... Many more explosive performances this year. The highs have just been much higher. And we've also seen that there's more dimensions to this offense. Like, I do really like Isaiah Pacheco, and he carried them in that brutal weather last week. And I do think that he's a good cold-weather physical running back who you can lean on. But since week nine, the Bills have been an elite rushing attack. They went from running the ball at one of the lowest volumes in the NFL to now being one of the most prolific rushing attacks with I would say one of the best running backs in the league in James Cook. They're averaging 158 yards per game on the ground in that stretch. So that's something that they can lean on that previously they haven't been able to. And I have hair in my mouth right now. Oh, what a delight. Uh, they also, I think, have more quality receiving targets than the Chiefs right now with the emergence of Dalton Kincaid, with the emergence of Khalil Shakir. Even James Cook is a pretty good receiving back. Gabe Davis is out in this game. That doesn't really move the needle to me all that much. The one other thing that I will concern uh, or that I will flag as a concern on the injury front is that Stefan Diggs does seem to be dealing with something that he sustained in practice. But still, I think that there is a depth there. You see it. Different guys have stepped up in different games across the second half of this season, especially. And as good as the Chiefs defense is, and they are really, really good, when the Bills are on, when Josh Allen is on, I just don't think there's much that you can do to trouble them. And this is a offense that has really performed quite well against the Chiefs. I've talked about this, how there's sort of this narrative of like, can the Bills get over the Chiefs hump because they've lost to them twice in the playoffs, one time in that crazy overtime game. But the Bills have won three of the last four meetings in the head-to-head. All of those coming on the road, I think. And in the last five games against the Chiefs, 
The Bills have averaged over 28 points per game. Josh Allen has averaged 355 total yards per game with 15 total touchdowns to three turnovers. So I think that they play them well. I have the utmost respect for Spags and the defensive talent that Kansas City has. But when the Bills are on, there's really not much that you can do about it. And they have been the more dynamic, productive offense this year. Josh Allen alone had five more touchdowns than the Kansas City Chiefs this year. And as much faith as I have in Mahomes, we just haven't seen them really get over the obstacle that has been this receiving core. And Kansas City hasn't been as good situationally in terms of finishing drives nearly as the Bills have. They're 17th in red zone percentage, and we saw last week, even as they were moving the ball well against a not-so-imposing, very banged-up Dolphins defense, they were still struggling to finish drives. So offensively, I think that the Bills definitely have an advantage. My concern, though, is the health of the defense being down several key guys. And as last week went along, the Bills were increasingly struggling to stop the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that is not the Kansas City Chiefs offense. So I'm worried about that. I think in terms of generating pressure, Ed Oliver is the best guy up front on this Bills defense on the interior, but that Chiefs line is very good on the interior. It's weaker on the outside with the tackles, and I do think that the Bills have good edges. I think that they can probably get pressure there. Patrick Mahomes negates pressure as well as almost anybody, and Rasheed Rice has been playing really, really well as of late, but I still don't trust the totality of that room enough, especially with some of the mistakes that we've seen from Kelsey as of late, with him not playing up to his normal level. So I think both these offenses are going to find success because I think both these quarterbacks are going to play at a crazy level. They have been two of the most consistently great playoff performers, uh, not just in the NFL today, mm -hmm. like on a per-game basis in NFL history. But we've seen a higher ceiling from that Bills offense, and they are at home which in a game where I view the two teams as so evenly matched can be a tiebreaker for me, and I'm going to take them 27-24. What's your official prediction here? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think that, like I said about the Chiefs coming into this playoff, uh, coming into the playoffs, it just comes down to simple football formulas to me. I think the Chiefs have the better quarterback. I think they have the best quarterback in the NFL. I think they have one of the best defenses. I think Spag is a genius defensive coordinator. I think he disguises coverages as well as anybody else in the league. I think the Chiefs personnel defensively matches up really well with what Buffalo has offensively. And I think if they can bait Josh Allen into a turnover or two, which he is prone to do, you know, I, I just have faith in the Chiefs, and I think this is the best running game that they've ever had. Granted, the one thing to me, if the Bills can consistently run the ball, that's the that's what scares me the most about this game, is if James Cook and this offensive line get pushed and can dominate on mm -hmm. the ground. That's where I think they can beat Kansas City. I'm taking Kansas City 31-27. to I think we are in uh, store for an instant Ooh. classic. I think this is going to be an absolute battle, but I like the Chiefs' defense more. I like Patrick Mahomes more. I don't have to think about this too hard on who I'm picking. But like I said, wow. the one thing that scares me is James Cook. He is the X factor that I think can break this game open because this Chiefs rushing defense hasn't been great all year. They've been phenomenal against the pass. But if the Bills can consistently sustain drives, let their defense rest, again, this is a blanket statement you could make for a lot of playoff formula games, but that's the difference to me if James Cook can really establish the run against the Chiefs. That being said, uh, I'm taking Kansas City 31-27. I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes, man. I understand that, but the Bills have played the Chiefs really, really well, man. 
they have their number. That is crazy. So I was right. All of their last five meetings have come in Kansas City, and the Bills have still won three of them. And they have still consistently produced really good offense. And for the most part, well, over their last two meetings, at least, once we're looking at the last two seasons, they really haven't allowed the Chiefs to explode. I think that they've done a really good job of limiting those explosive plays and just keeping the offense in check overall. So I do want to give props to Sean McDermott and what he has done with this defense because even down a couple more key guys this week, and they've been down a couple key guys all year, he has done such a such an impressive job of making the most of the talent that is out there on the field. And for all of the griping and moaning that I've done about some of the other McDermott stuff, about his game management, about the fact that he just doesn't necessarily feel like the guy going forward because he can't elevate this offense. And in terms of scheme, it felt like that could be the separator for the Bills, having a really good offensive mind. And as concerning as the reports came out about him, not just embracing the 9-11 hijackers, but generally being kind of a narcissist and trying to shift blame towards other people, all of that is real. But he is a good defensive coach and he has done an impressive job early on. There were some bumps and bruises adjusting to the new personnel, but recently this bill's defense has been playing legitimately well. And I do think that he can put out some fires there, but that does worry me. It worries me if the bills just don't have their, their top tier guys out there to make an impact, but I'm taking them. I'm taking them. And this really is a toss up to me, but the bills are at home. I'm going to be there. I can't pick against them. All right. Ravens, Texans, Logan. How does Houston pull off the upset here? Let's start there. Yeah, I think that's a, it's, it's a good place to start. One, yeah. I think that they have to get Baltimore off the field in the red zone. That's one thing that I think makes Baltimore more susceptible to losing a playoff game than any other team in the playoff field. Because of Baltimore's unique formula, because they are so good at staying ahead of the sticks, at sustaining drives, at getting down into the red zone, Baltimore leaves themselves open to squandering drives at the end. Because they have so many plays in a given drive, it gives the defense more opportunities to force turnovers, and more opportunities to get them off the field. Now, that, that I, I want to give props to Baltimore in that respect, too. It is hard staying ahead of the sticks. It is hard sustaining drives. Baltimore doesn't have that, you know, as explosive factor of their offense where they're going to hit you with a a 50-yard bomb. It's really methodical. It's really, uh, shout out Hank Stram uh, from Super Bowl, uh, from the early Super Bowls. They matriculate down the field. You know what I mean? They just move it. And so... Because they don't have that explosive play element, Houston really just has to make a few crucial stops during the game, getting them off the field in third down situations and preventing them from scoring touchdowns in the red zone. Obviously easier said than done, but I think it makes Baltimore more susceptible to losing a playoff game. You combine that with the fact that Houston has one of the best big play attacks in the NFL. I can see it happening. That being said, the track record is not great, Carson. We're going to do a little bit of mini trivia really quick here. We're going to okay. flip it. You're going to give me some NFL trivia. Wait. Five quarterbacks oh, have gosh, reached yeah. the conference title game as a rookie. Can you name the five for me? Uh, Rainbow Dash, Applejack, mm. Twilight Sparkle, mm. Pinkie Pie, and Princess Celestia. That is correct. Uh, All right. those are the. Let me take an alternative stab at it. Big Ben got there, right? Because they yes, had a bye. Yes, he did. Brock Purdy got there just last year. 
Two Dak guys did not it, get there. Two guys in between Ben and Purdy in the oh, AFC. Russ? Oh, Russ. Russ didn't in actually. AFC. In the AFC. Actually, back-to-back seasons too. One guy in 08, one guy in 09. Oh, really interesting. Who would that have been? Mark Sanchez? The Sanchez, baby. And then oh, one guy man. the year before him. One guy the year before him in 2008. Yes, sir. Who Lost to the Steelers, Steelers, actually. Beat? Yeah, I know. He threw a game-losing interception to Troy Palomalu. Oh, what an idiot. Yeah, had somewhat of a redemption arc this season. With another AFC North team. Flacco. Wow. Joe Flacco. And one more gentleman in 2019-99 that you know I am very fond of. Wow. It's crazy that these are all so modern. Yeah, nobody before that, actually. Uh, wow. Okay. NFC title game. Kurt Warner? Nope. Or no, it was his second season because he attempted like one pass in his first year. Who you are quite fond of. It's not Sean King. It is Sean King, oh, dude. Wow. He was a rookie. And so wow. that's the entire depth. Like you said, Carson, it's not common. It is not frequent. And it didn't happen even until the 2000s playoffs but cj stroud just had the best debut for any rookie quarterback ever he is one of five quarterbacks to toss three or more tds in their playoff day in their rookie playoff debut excuse me the highest passer rating ever by a rookie qb in their playoff debut the second highest completion percentage by a rookie qb in their playoff debut and the Mm. fifth most passing yards like crispy we yeah joe crispy Mm. volcano uh (laughs) we just we said it coming in there that C.J. Shroud might be the outlier. C.J. Shroud is the outlier. And so that is really the recipe for Houston. And again, uh, you know, it's a lot easier to say than to do. They got to execute in crucial situations in Baltimore. They have to execute and hit just a couple big shot plays that Baltimore mm-hmm. doesn't normally let up. Yeah. And they've got to they gotta get pressure on C.J. They have to get pressure on CJ. I think that's the recipe, and I think they have to run the ball well to an extent uh, just to keep Baltimore's defense honest. To me, that recipe is a little convoluted, a little too complicated for me, and the precedent just isn't what – I wouldn't bet on it considering the precedent. So I have Baltimore winning this game. I think it's very competitive, 27-23. to Hmm. And you know, man, I mean, C.J. Stroud really is the best rookie quarterback that I've ever seen. So if he gets it done, oh yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but this is the best defense in the NFL to me with the best yeah. defensive schemer to me. If there's any defense that's going to be able to make C.J. Stroud uncomfortable, it's got to be Baltimore. Yeah, and as amazing as C.J. is, and I agree that he is the best rookie quarterback we have ever seen, it is not impossible to limit him. We saw the Jets make him look like a rookie, and they are probably the only team all year that has done that, but they also are debatably like the only team that is in a defensive tier with Baltimore. So they have the personnel. They are an incredible defense, and I agree. The path to the upset is long here. I think you need CJ to go insane, first and foremost. I think you need a Bobby Slowick masterclass, probably. And then I think... The Texans' corners could potentially really win one-on-one against some of those Ravens' receivers. But ultimately, Baltimore just doesn't have the same weaknesses that Cleveland did. Like, 
the Texans have a good pass rush. And we highlighted before they played the Browns that if they can get home with four, Joe Flacco is not mobile. He can't move around in that pocket. He can't extend plays. And so you can force him basically to just throw the ball away or potentially make mistakes or at least keep him from creating. And they did. But nobody negates pressure more effectively than Lamar. I talked about how great Mahomes is there, but Lamar is on another level. He's the most elusive quarterback we've ever seen. And he's been keeping his eyes downfield more so he can devastate you as a passer or a runner in those situations. The Texans also have done a great job of taking care of the football this year. They were plus 10 in turnover margin. And against the Browns, they were able to take good care of the ball themselves and then get two pick sixes that swung that game from, I mean, obviously the Texans were out playing Cleveland the whole time, but that's what put it to bed. Before that, it was like, ooh, the Browns are moving the football. Like we could be in for a shootout. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, okay, this is a three score game. But the Ravens were plus 12 in turnover margin this year. They take good care of the ball. So I don't really see Houston decisively winning in that arena in the same way, which always helps for an upset. And then really the one thing that you could argue is an issue with this Ravens defense is that they haven't been great against the run, but the Texans have been one of the worst rushing attacks in football this season. So I just don't see the real flaws. I just don't see what Houston exploits. I think... Baltimore has the much more stacked defense and they're just a powerhouse right now, man. Like their last three real football games before they sat people against the Steelers, they took the Jags, the Niners and the Dolphins and they outscored them 112 to 45. Like they have been so consistently elite and no matter how much I love CJ Stroud, no matter how much aura and momentum the Texans have, I just can't pick against a Ravens team that I think is this good and that is my Super Bowl favorite. So I have them winning 30 to 20. I think the talent gap is just too much. Two things that you mentioned at the end of your spiel there, Carson, I think are important. It's an important external factor that isn't part of any football scheme that I think could come into play here. The Ravens are on three weeks rest. And you talk about momentum. It's not something uncommon that we haven't seen in the playoffs before, where a team that is playing really good football, that hasn't taken any breaks, that is in a really good rhythm and flow, going up against a better team that has been on break for two to three weeks. You can point to any of the Indianapolis Colts teams where Tony Dungy sat his players in Week 7 and 18. If it was Jim Caldwell, if it was Dungy, that came back in that bit Indianapolis a couple of times because their guys came out the gate slow. The most infamous uh, version of this the Green Bay Packers in 2011 when the New York Giants go and win the Super Bowl. They have a bye in the first round, too. By far the best team in all of football. I mean, not even close. They go 15-1 and that year. The wild card Giants bounce them, bounce them in the second round because they're just freaking hot and Green Bay was cold. That's the one thing that scares me about betting on this game. Again, I have a faith with Lamar Jackson. I have a faith with this defense. I have a lot of faith in this team, and I am betting against the concrete trend that it's really hard for rookie quarterbacks to get to the conference title game, but the momentum aspect and the fact that the Ravens have been on rest for three weeks does scare me a little bit that they may come out a little slow and their tires might not get moving. I'm not going to pick against them, but that's the one factor that scares me. I understand that. At the same time, it feels to me like those anecdotes stand out so much in our minds 
because they are the exception. Because generally having a buy is a pretty significant advantage. And I think there's some numbers that teams with a buy win like 75% of the time. Teams that had a first round buy are like seven times more likely to make the Super Bowl than teams that didn't. And of course, there's sort of a duality there because I think that that second number is from when there were two teams that had a buy as opposed to just the one now. But a, those teams are just better to begin with. So yeah, it's more likely that they're going to make it on those grounds and they'll have home field. But I do think that there is an advantage to the buy. The rest, the prep, I get what you're saying about the additional week of sitting dudes in week 18, but I still think overall it's a net positive throughout the scope of NFL history and the Ravens are just a lot better, dude. I, I think so too. I just think it's a precedent we need to acknowledge that if sure. this goes awry, if CJ gets it done, I think that will likely be a component. Yeah. It's just nobody has avoided legitimate down weeks better than the Ravens. They had their few games that they let slip from their grasps, the Cleveland game and the Colts game, the Steelers game. But in all of those situations, you still felt like, oh, wow, the Ravens should have won this. Like, it's not like they ever just didn't show up. It's not like they ever got boat raced, as we saw happen to almost everybody else in the league. So I believe in them deeply, and uh, I am taking them to win this game a bit more comfortably than you. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's go to the NFC, Logan. Niners, Packers. I'll ask the same question as I did with Houston. How does Green Bay pull off the upset here? The first thing that Green Bay has to get done is they have to slow down the run, which I think is just an impossible task for this Green Bay unit. Uh, anytime the San Francisco 49ers offense was in peril this season, and if it was Purdy struggling, if it was the offense not getting into rhythm, you're handing the ball off to the left side behind big Trent Williams, and you're going to work. Considering the fact that the Green Bay Packers were allowed the 28th most rushing yards this season and the 23rd most yards per carry, I just think it's a little too much to ask. On the flip side of this, you're going to have to get pressure on Brock Purdy. That's the guy you need to rattle. And I don't mean to beat up on the guy because I know uh, if you're listening to the show, you've probably seen the clip that's been circulating on social media. I can't uh, remember exactly who said it, but uh, the lady, uh, the sports analyst, she goes, uh, there's eight quarterbacks left in the field. Uh, seven of them are great, and then there's Brock Purdy. Well, I think that's an oversimplification because if you're calling Jared Goff and Baker Mayfield great, terrific, I just think you're wrong, but uh, I do think Brock Purdy is probably my least favorite quarterback in the field, and we did see him get really rattled against the Baltimore Ravens, but I mean, that's Baltimore. I mean, that's the best defense in the league. They just are so talented. that They disguise so much at the line of scrimmage. It's you have to put that context with it. It's not like Brock Purdy got beat up by the Carolina Panthers. He got beat up by the Ravens. 
This is what the Ravens have been doing. It's their identity. They've been doing this shit for 20 years. So, to me, I just don't really see the path here for Green Bay. It's a veteran team versus a really young team. Green Bay is having to go on the road for the second consecutive week. They're not only having to go on the road, they're having to travel to Levi Stadium, where, mind you, Carson, only two teams this year have scored 20 or more points against the Niners at Levi Stadium, that being the Cincinnati Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens did a little bit of extracurricular. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit, bit, yeah. yeah. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. So... I, I just think it's the, the odds are just a little too overwhelming for me. This is a great story. This is a young roster that I think is built to contend for years with a franchise quarterback, a cornerstone coach, a lot of great talent across the board. I think San Francisco is more hungry. I think they got more on the line. I think they're more talented. They're at home. Just everything comes together for me. I think this is probably our biggest blowout of the divisional round weekend. I am taking the Niners to win this game. 34 to 19 and shout out the Packers are averaging Carson 38 points per game over their last three road games like the Packers have been doing this I just think the Niners are the much better football team and I don't think they can get them off schedule I don't think they can disrupt what San Francisco does on the down-to-down basis with Purdy with McCaffrey in the run game so give me the Niners by two possessions that's interesting I was gonna ask who you thought was a more viable upset candidate, Green Bay or Houston, but it sounds like it's pretty clearly Houston for you. I actually think that the Packers have more of a chance here. I was definitely more tempted to pick Green Bay. And the reason for that fundamentally is that I do think we have seen a lower floor with the Niners. And I think a lot of that is related to the fact that if you can force things off schedule and consistently make Brock Purdy uncomfortable and induce him into some of those mistakes, then that's a formula for you to win. Now, I don't think the Packers are very well equipped to do that. That is the problem. I worry about them stopping the run, which you highlight as a key. They are 24th in rushing yards per attempt allowed this year, and their defense has played well over the last three weeks, but that was against the Vikings with Nick Mullins and Jaron Hall, and then it was against the Bears, and then it was really for a half against the Cowboys, and after that, they were playing soft coverages and all that, and they pulled their starters for a time. But Dallas was moving the ball quite easily. So overall, I would say that's an encouraging performance. But the overall sample size with the Packers doesn't tell us that this is a very good defense. And just before these past three weeks, they let the Panthers give them 30, which they hadn't done all year. They let the Bucks give them 34. They even let the Giants give them 24 in a loss. So... I just don't trust this defense, and that's ultimately why I can't pick an upset here. But I think Jay Love makes this a game, man. And I think that he makes them dangerous. They've won 8 of 10 now. Over their last three games, they're averaging 439 yards. And we've talked about how phenomenal Love's stats are since the midseason point, where statistically he's been up there for the best quarterback in football. But over the last five weeks... It's even more ridiculous. He has a passer rating of 127. He's averaging 8.8 yards per attempt, has 12 touchdowns, no interceptions. He has been playing basically perfect football. And I think he makes them a threat to beat anybody, especially when Purdy is imperfect to me. Now, I agree with you to put 
Jared Goff in a different tier from him, I would disagree with. I understand that he's in a different tier in terms of arm talent, but I think when you look at overall decision-making, accuracy, timing, all of those things, they're in a very similar tier to me, and I think Baker Mayfield is still an inferior quarterback to a Brock. I understand that he's he's vibing right now, he's cooking, but I just don't have the most trust in him on a week-to-week basis. So it's not like that's some glaring red flag. It's just a quote-unquote vulnerability that I don't see with the Ravens at all, really. I just think that that is a more completely stacked football team. So I will take the Niners 28-24. to I think that the Packers can score on basically anybody right now. I just don't trust them to get stops against an offense this loaded. Yeah, and I think that's the final component of this victory for Green Bay if it's going to happen. I think Jordan Love has to play a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Oh, he does, yeah. I mean, I know Jordan has played basically perfect football, as you mentioned, with the last five weeks down the half stretch. This is a different Niners defense, man. I just think if there's going to be a game where Jordan slips up a little bit, where the pressure gets home, where the moment's too big, I think it's this one. And I think this is where Green Bay uh, comes roost. But this would be insane. It would not only be one of the handful of teams that uh, were, you know, last teams in wild card wise, it would be the first ever seven seed you know, to win two games. No seven seed had ever won yeah. one game before, you know, and Seriously. so this would be now be really, really historic. Yeah. I'm just not going to bet on it. It is awesome to have the Packers in this field. Oh, yeah. Like, the seven-team expansion, it was sort of weird. The NFL overall has just moved away from nice round numbers to more pointy uh, prime numbers, 16 to 17, 6 to 7. But having one of the hottest teams in football – in here making some noise with such an exciting young quarterback and talented young offense overall is awesome and i think that they're still one of the most interesting teams left in the field all right logan last matchup to talk about is between a couple of your favorites the detroit lions who you had in the nfc title game before the year and who you had in the nfc title game before the playoffs and your shining savior golden boy prince who was promised baker mayfield who do you like in this matchup and what are some of the keys I like Detroit by one point. I think this is going to be wow. an absolute battle. I think that I think it's going to be a really good game, and I would not be surprised at all if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers take this one. Hear me out. I think the Buccaneers match up really well with the Lions. I, I talked. I predicted the Philly upset. I, I expected them to handle Philly. One, obviously, because of all the momentum going into the game. I think that is one thing that you have to consider. You know, again, it's not going to come into play with every football game, but I think it really is a tangible thing that you need to consider. Eagles were on one of the worst skids I've ever seen in a single season, collapse-wise. The Buccaneers were scorching hot, and they matched up really well against them. Uh, Philadelphia allows big shot plays, can't cover receivers. Baker Mayfield been really good getting the ball out to Evans, to Godwin, to Rashad White. That happens, and they suffocate the run on the other side. And so when you look at the similarities between these two teams— I think that's a similar formula for Tampa Bay to get this, you know, to get it done against Detroit. Big shot plays over the top against the Lions secondary that isn't great. Okay, I can see that. Completely stopping the run on the other side is kind of where I draw the line. The Buccaneers and the Lions are both very strong teams in the trenches. Very strong. Sturdy. But I think the Lions are a little better, and I think they control the line of scrimmage. That being said, the Lions were held to 40 rushing yards against Tampa Bay in their Week 6 matchup, but the difference in dynamic here is that they will have both Jameer Gibbs 
and David Montgomery for this game. That duo combined for nearly 2,000 yards, 1,960 to be exact, and 23 touchdowns. Considering that fact, the Detroit, I think, will be able to pound the ball. And this is a good Bucks rush defense. I'm not going to oh, just completely good. throw them by the wayside, excuse very me, good. but I think Detroit's going to have an advantage there. The Bucks can't run the ball. It's going to be the Baker Mayfield show. And so if Baker Mayfield goes above and beyond and plays the greatest game of his career, I think Tampa Bay could get it done. I just can't trust it. I love you, Baker. I love you, man. You're one of my favorite players in the NFL. But with both of these quarterbacks, you have to point to the inconsistency that they show week to week, especially with Baker. Carson, that Lions loss was the worst game of Baker's season. 206 yards, one interception, no touchdowns, a passer rating below 57, and a completion percentage of 51. And after that Lions loss, they lost six of their next seven games. They hit a really bad skid. And then Carson, in the final six weeks, he has 242 passing yards per game, 11 TDs to three picks. And then he has uh, arguably two of the best games of his season against Green Bay on the road and then in the first round of the playoffs against Philadelphia. What I'm saying is, is with Baker and with Jared, especially Baker, you really don't know what side of the coin you're going to get. And I love Baker. And I love when he's on. And I love the dog aspect of him. I love Baker. But I just... I'm waiting for the bottom to drop out. And I hate saying it like that, but I think it just it, Baker scares me a little too much in this matchup because I think Tampa Bay is going to have to lean on him so heavily to get this done. And I think the weight is just a little too heavy. I'm taking Detroit 30 to 29. Wow, you got this as a shootout. Yeah. I agree with a lot of what you laid out. And the more that I have thought about this matchup, the more I have viewed Tampa Bay as a threat just because of a few specific dynamics. Like you said, they have a great run defense, and the Lions are very much a run-first offense, and they did limit that Lions rushing attack in the first game without Jameer Gibbs. Now, I don't think that they can cancel out that attack in the same way. I still think that I probably trust the Lions' great line and rushing attack a little bit more than the Bucks' great run defense. But at the very least, they match up well there in terms of trying to limit what is the Lions' bread and butter. And then the Lions suck in coverage. They've been one of the worst pass defenses and secondaries in particular this year. And we just saw the Bucks totally punish a lackluster Eagles secondary and pass defense. And that's what they're going to have to rely on. But I think that it's what you laid out. Being so one-dimensional, being so reliant on Baker, because this is an awesome Detroit run defense. And this is a terrible Bucks run offense. And I just think that is too much of a problem. When Tampa Bay hasn't been able to run the ball at all, when they rush for under 100 yards this year, they're 4-7. and seven. They really struggled offensively in their first meeting. And yes, Baker had a lot of uh, issues in that game, but they also could not get the ball on the ground consistently. I just don't trust him enough to make up for that sort of concern, thinking that one aspect of their offense is just going to be erased like that. And I just think the Lions are the more talented team. I think they're better in the trenches. I do think they have the better quarterback. I think they have the better offensive skill position talent. There's a better football team. And the unquantifiable thing here with Detroit, because I love digging into that aspect of it. Detroit's, Detroit's got some fire behind them, man. Oh, yeah. I don't, it, it's not a quantifiable thing, but I just think that the city, yeah, man, the city needs it, dude. We, we can finally have shit in Detroit, Carson. I think they finally have it. I think they're going to get to the title game, man.
It is quantifiable. I think it's about two venti espressos with a little <laughs> bit of Adderall mixed in there. I think that's Dan Campbell's order. He just talked about this the other week. Yeah, they do definitely have just an energy. The Bucks have momentum too. I think that they have an energy, but just in terms of the football talent here, I also think the Bucks. it's a good defense, but they have allowed a relatively high explosive play rate. And the Lions have been explosive both through the air and on the ground. Their defense is better. They just exposed a bad secondary. That concerns me a little bit, but I still think that the Lions are clearly better. So I have them winning 26 to 19. All right. So that is going to do it for us here today, guys. I legitimately am overheating in this wig, and I feel as though I may pass out at any moment. So if you enjoyed bad news is that i won't be wearing this wig anymore good news is we're still going to be talking sports the same so hopefully you like that part as well and if you want more of it you can always subscribe to the nerd sesh youtube page to see all of our shows with video and you can watch our video essays there video breakdowns that we do of uh, nba players mostly you can also follow us across social media tiktok and instagram at nerd sesh twitter at nerd underscore sesh you can listen to the podcast audio only uh, across all podcasting platforms and if you want you can join our discord that is at the link in our link tree across our social media bios and you can just talk nfl nba be part of our community there and you can check out nerd sesh merch at the volume.com so with that Again, I am starting to uh, lose my vision a little bit here. I have been Carson Brabber. <laughs> I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.